0: It's going out little life out here. What the hell's going on out here? It's a lot of fun. Keep it fun. How about that for an intro? Holy llama. What do you think? So I did it. I said I was gonna do it, and I revamped the intro, and there it is. Let me know what you think. The last one was I don't know a little bit somber, or something a little bit kind of um kind of a little bit serious. So I revamped it, took hours as usual, but it's done. So uh, to anybody who doesn't like my intro, uh, put your entries on in a postcard and send them to me, and I'll be sure to uh, read every single one of them. Anyway, I want to give a big shout out to everybody who got in contact and took part in the challenge last week. Um, if you listen to that podcast, uh, if you haven't. Go back and listen. Um, If you did, you witnessed an Irishman getting sort of semi-emotional. Um, you know, pretty sad circumstances. Uh, Joan and myself attended a funeral of her, one of our childhood friends, 28 years of age, died of cancer. Absolutely shocking stuff. So I challenged everybody to do something new, uh, do something different, do something that you've been putting off. And um, um, We got people coming back and saying that they were meeting old friends after years and years uh, some people are going for the first run as a bit of an inspiration from it uh, one guy went abroad with his dad to watch a soccer game now I don't know if that counts um Chris for listening buddy um I don't know did you gotta you gotta get back in contact right did you book that after the podcast or was it already booked and that was just kind of one of the things like you're doing something new if it wasn't done and it was booked last minute and yourself and your dad went off on holidays Fantastic stuff. And uh, Andrew Mead spotted you in the crowd. So we put that out on Twitter. So look, long story short, life is too short. As am I. I am also too short. So, you know, I've got experience in these things. Anyway, as usual. uh, So the name of this podcast is Who is Rainichke? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do kind of a, a history podcast. Mostly because of the absolute balls that I'm seeing online. Like... I'm looking at these articles, one of them in particular gets Clown of the Week, Um, I'm not going to play the drop, I'll just talk about it, because I want to get on to the Ray Nitschke piece, um, and I've been reading Ray Nitschke stuff uh, now for a solid week, trying to get a real feel for who the guy is, and I want to be able to get that across to you, um, some holes in an awful lot of the covers that we see, I'd love to delve deeper into it, I'd love to get the likes of uh, Chris Crystal maybe on the podcast, or Cliff Christie, I should say, on the podcast and delve into it, maybe even Jerry Kramer. Uh, and maybe some people that are involved later on in his career, because there's a bit of a bit of a gap there. We know an awful lot about, and there's an awful lot of, like, because what I found was you could go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame and get a blurb and then go to Wikipedia, get the exact same blurb, um, go to a newspaper clipping that happened that, you know, that was written after he died, you get the same blurb. So most of this stuff, as you'll find, just gets recycled. But anyway, I digress. Let me talk about some off-season headlines. And it's the main reason why I wanted to kind of dip into the history stuff, right? Not saying that I'm a, you know, NFL or Packers hipster. And, that I, you know, I'm better than everybody else. And I'm going to bring you better stuff than everybody else. Let's just face it. None of that. It's just some of the stuff is just a load of balls. One story in particular. I'm going to get onto that soon. The NFL draft is coming up. Um, it's held from April 26th to 28th this year. And people are just salivating. At the mouth to bring out these articles about the the draft and who they think should be drafted and mock draft. and The mock drafts are upon us. Jesus Christ. I mean, it's going to be... Look, hopefully myself and Andy are going to hit the podcast studio sometime soon. Talk about Packer needs. This is going to be interesting because... And he tended to have his finger on the pulse for the likes of Ted Thompson and who he generally drafted. And this is unknown territory. We don't know who Brian Gudekut is going to draft or what his draft mentality is going to be. Uh, we can read between the lines. He's opening presser when he was announced, he said that the draft and develop was here to stay. That side of stuff was going to remain. Um, but that he was, you know, gonna try to get his own personality across uh, in dealing with free agency and all the rest. So whether he makes a splash um before or after who he drafts what he's going to focus on all of that stuff's interesting but we don't know do we we don't know he probably doesn't even know if you look at what Mike Pettin has been saying uh, Joe Philbin Mike McCarthy Mark Murphy all of the top people are top brass in Green Bay as to what they're coming out as to you know what weapons they do have what they don't have one thing is clear is that they really don't know that you know they're going through the player evaluations the coaching stuff is moving around you know mike mccarthy's gone on about that he's going to reinvent the playbook so we don't know what pieces of the puzzle that they're going to see is instrumental you know i kind of commented and said that um mike Petton came out and said that the cupboard isn't bare you know which isn't a really positive way to look at it i mean imagine that as a wedding speech you know someone asks so what do you think of your wife to be give us a speech well she's not all bad <laughs> i mean it would be great would it so he came out and said that it's not all Bear the and they asked him about Clay Matthews and what he thought he had in him. And why? Well, look, in stats wise, Clay's being, I don't need to keep drumming over the same old stuff, but you know, Clay Matthews is wallowing around uh, on the lower rankings for linebackers. And you could look at that and look at what happened to BJ Raji at his position later on in his career you know that he was a great player they played him in a position he took a nose dive then they tried to you know bring him back and put him into his opposite like that could be happening with clay matthews you know the injuries with him being played inside versus outside and where is he more dynamic does he still have the gas to be playing outside and then mike petten i don't know whether it was trying to take the heat off him whether it was trying to take the heat off himself because he just said oh he's you know he's dynamic and he can play inside or outside and you know, even when they asked about the three four four three debate, he was saying, "Well, that doesn't really exist anymore. No one plays in their base. You have all of these exotic coverages, and no one just plays solely their base anymore. They keep, you know, mixing stuff in or out." So, I don't know whether that is kind of like a a really experienced non answer that because of the dismal season and everyone's clutching at straws that everyone kind of likes to pretend that that's actually a story. Maybe all he's saying there is, "Look, I'm only in a wet week. I've no idea." And that's not sexy. And if you are just got a job and someone says to you, explain something, if you go, I don't know, no idea. don't know what I'm doing right now, okay? Just let me figure it out, will you, please? It doesn't go down well, especially in front of the media, and then people start freaking out. So maybe he's just saying, you know, give me some time. Now, Rob Domofsky had an article where he said, you know, did the Packers build their defense around Clay Matthews, which, I mean, seemed laughable for us. And we put out on the Twitter, like, oh, anybody's thoughts. And everyone was like, that's ludicrous. You know, he hits... I think it's $11 million against the cap, which is $11.4 million. Um, And then he's, you know, going to be looking to sign a new contract next year. And I guess if he was seen as an indispensable member of the defense, you'd, they'd probably restructure his contract now. And do you say that about Clay Matthews now, that this is a contract year for him? Um, do we see Green Bay letting him go? But Rob Domofsky says that it should build a defense around right him. now. At the start, I thought it was a bit dumb. A bit ludicrous, a bit of a mad off-season story, a bit of a a clownish article. Now, we love Rob and uh, I like his stuff. So I said, right, I'll read it, get into it, dig in, get past the headline. And I guess with letting letting uh, Julius Peppers go and him being 700 years of age, and at the time it seemed like a no-brainer, he would have commanded a ton of money against the cap in a big contract do you bring him back for a year would he want that and then he left and played dynamite and people are like oh there you go see told you shouldn't have cut peppers what are they talking about shouldn't have let him go and, and this is the deal i mean if you let clay go does he have a renaissance somewhere else or can they keep him and can they build a defense around him um he's getting on an age now uh 32 33 years of age um so it'll be 32 on May 14th, according to this article here from Rob Domofsky. So look, it's maybe it's more food for thought than we think. Uh, another story that came out, the, the the gift that just keeps giving, is Alex Van Pelt and Aaron Rodgers coming out and saying that it was an interest decision, that quote, they did it without consulting me, which he found odd. Um, but Mike McCarthy was quick to announce that Van Pelt was likely looking for an offensive coordinator job uh, because he didn't look to extend his contract. And that's because he wanted to be coming out of contract. And that would give him you know, the ability to negotiate with the Packers. To negotiate with different teams. He didn't land the offensive coordinator job. And so he's now gone off to the Cincinnati Bengals as the quarterback's coach. So people thought that was odd. Why did he do it? And I don't know if it's sort of seen as like a perfect opportunity for the Packers to move on. Now, McCarthy had remarked that the quarterback... Coach and quarterback relationship is one of the best for their program. Um I can almost hear the Mike McCarthy voice in my head saying those exact words. Um so it's an interesting one, but maybe this is perfect, you know, they've, they've Frank Signetti in there um and maybe they need to jazz it up a bit. But it you know, Aaron Rodgers had said that from the relationship that he had with them and the stuff that they discussed during the game. ...that Alex Van Pelt was on the same page... ...and he knew exactly the right amount of info... ...and what to give him and what not to give him... ...in certain situations... ...so it's going to take a while for him... ...and good old Frankie boy... Uh, ...to build that up... ...but the clownish article... ...and I've gone on too long with this already... ...is a ridiculous article... ...that came under the banner of CBS... ...and then we put it out... Uh, ...kind of with the laughing emojis... ...and someone said that... Um you know, CBS tried to distance themselves from this article. It was written by a guy called Brian De Ardo. Brino, we know you listen to the podcast. Well, maybe you don't, if you're coming out with articles like this. He says that uh, Martavius Bryant for the Steelers, uh, who's coming into the last year of his rookie contract, the same as Haha Clinton Dix, could be swapped in the next several weeks because there's all the story that Bryant uh, for the Steelers, which is true, that they're, they might be trying to shop him, All right, So... We have this situation come up with uh, Morgan Burnett and this is something that our good old buddy old pal Brian mentions in his article uh, that Morgan Burnett might be leaving Green Bay. And if that's the case, Haha Clinton Dix is going to be the most experienced safety on the roster. Um, now, what is true is that we saw a noted deviation for Ha Clinton Dix last year at times. And it's known we mentioned it on the podcast. It's all over the media um, and I'm sure it's given Ha Clinton Dix a sizable chip on his shoulder. Uh, that the media are talking about him. But, you know, his stats plummeted. People said, was that, you know, did it all start with um, Dom Capers giving him the comms helmet and asking him to be the, the captain of the defense when Morgan Burnett was out. He seemed to struggle. He was playing way, way off the line, so much so that you could barely see him on the field. And then when he, it seemed like he, you know, would invite that contact it seemed like he was backpedaling and running away from the player and not getting involved at all. His last couple of games, when it was seen, it was kind of junk time in Green Bay. The season was all gone. There was no hope of a playoff. Uh, You know, he just seemed disinterested. Now, this is from our point of view as fans. Not the UK Packers, but seemingly the media in general. And us as UK Packers. It just seemed a bit odd. And we did question, you know, was there a morale issue in Green Bay? And... It's odd because Mike McCarthy came out after and defended Clinton Dick's comments and sort of said that he wants a fiery player who questions the locker room. Uh, they start talking about how the backup players are kind of these players who are a bit naive wet around the ears. So it's odd that Mike McCarthy would come out. But anyway, this article sort of says that these two players are going to be swapped and it makes no sense. Not unless you're putting credence into the fact that Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb were going to be let go and we need some wide receiver talent or something. Um, But I don't see that we switch up coaches. Ha, Clinton Dix should see a resurgence to form. Not unless there's something more serious going on there. But I doubt there is. I'd say it's just a morale issue. With the locker room in general. Because the defence in general. Apart from Mike Daniels and Kenny Clark, (laughs) Seem to, you know. I don't know. Just lose interest. Especially, you know, when the season seems lost. So... It just articles a bit dopey. I mean, it talks about Bryant. He had a 603 yards, you know, three touchdown season um, in 15 regular season games. Certainly not lighting it up. Um, it talks about him sitting out the whole 2016 season with suspend- uh, with a suspension because of substance abuse. So, I mean, that alone doesn't sort of scream Green Bay player. So this player sits out for substance abuse. Um, you know, his stats aren't great. The prior year, so why, oh dear Jesus, why would we ch- trade him uh, with Ha Ha Clinton Dix? Now, I was one to laugh when the Eagles' head coach Doug Peterson came out and said that they were like, uh, you know, Brett Favre Super Bowl winning team. I laughed my pants off, as did everybody else. uh Here's looking at you, analyst Lombardi. Um, so I didn't believe it for a second and I said it was premature and yes, they came out in one, but I think there's a bit of naivety there. So look, if this comes back to bite me on the arse, I will eat me boxers live on the podcast if it comes true. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, let's get away from all that and let's get to Ray Nitschke. I wanted to sort of get back to the, you know, the usual history podcast off-season stuff and I'm hoping to do that for you and talk about Ray Nitschke, um... Mostly because he's kind of a hero of mine and he's a throwback to when you could hit hard in the NFL. But I'm going to bring in a quote that was put up on Lombardi Avenue about a year ago when they talked about Ray Nitschke. They went through some quotes of what players said about him. And one quote in particular that's very important about him. And just to kind of, like his numbers are tired, and to show you, speaking of defense on lackluster defense, and to talk about a guy who... You know, if you want to get into the real American hero stuff, that against all odds... And he knew it. Uh, if We're going to go... I'm going to talk about it now. Um, when you go through it, he knew how lucky he was. And he had a pretty bad start in life. And if you want to talk about... um, We had the hashtag, grabbing life by the footballs. If you want to talk about grabbing life by the footballs, uh, Raymond Nitschke certainly did that from a pretty crappy start in life. This guy was tough. He was aggressive. And from... From, so let's take a look at him so he had a real Jekyll and Hyde and this this that phrase has been said by a bunch of people about him Um, and I'm going to try to put my own spin to this because look I got a kick in the balls the last time when I tried to do a, a history piece Um, when I don't know why Ryan was out that time Um, and it was about Lambeau Field and its extensions and I got an awful lot of the material from Packers.com and I said that and then some guy some troll was at me saying, oh, yeah, you got that from this website. And I was like, yeah, uh, I did. Because, I'm you know, there's only so much limited information. And the best resource that I had was Packers.com. And he just spent, like, just so long, just of his life and time, uh, going around and commenting under every single tweet that I put. Oh, yeah, well, how about you play right? You know, and he's just kept kicking me in the balls over uh, this. So I got an awful lot of this material. Well, I got all of it from online because, let's face it, I didn't know Ray. Uh, but I'm going to try to put my own spin on it. And I've rearranged everything in my own way, my own narrative. And I'm going to try to bring you the most complete account of, you know, Ray's early life, his playing career, his accolade, his legacy, why he's important, what type of guy he is, all in this podcast. And I'm going to try quote the sources that I used throughout the whole thing. But thing that from, you know, watching all of these specials and the NFL's top 100 players and he ranked 47. Um, on the top 100 list. And then depending on what articles you read. You know he comes in as the top linebacker. He comes in at you know the top 10. it's Whatever. Um, But one guy who sort of. Alludes to this Jekyll and Hyde style stuff. Is Jerry Kramer. And Jerry is a very important ambassador. For the early Lombardi teams. Because not only does he give us exact verbatim quotes. Of Vince Lombardi that we might not have otherwise. He gives us an insight with his books. And also the players around the Packers. So. Ray was a tough, uh, an aggressive guy. He wasn't a dirty player. He just hit hard and left it all out on the field. Now this guy was proper old school tough, and I'll go on to discuss why. So this Jekyll and Hyde kind of personality. Um, it's spoken about that he had a Jekyll and Hyde personality because he was like just ridiculously aggressive and nasty on the field, not in a dirty player way, but just in a really like you just can't come near this guy here. We he just like tackling into next week and then he was a really nice guy off the field and where i can't remember who we had on the podcast but they said that they met ray nitschke and spoke to him and he was a really nice guy and i've been watching videos all week of him and to fans he's really approachable um at the hall of fame that was really really important to ray was the fact that he got into the pro football hall of fame and uh, he was great to the players there and uh, there's a a really highly circulated video of him talking to players down in chicago where he he played his college football because that's where he's from he's from chicago and you know he's talking to them and rallying them up but the jekyll and hyde for me for him as well was not only that but it was to do with what jerry kramer talks about where you know the first half of his career was a bit of a dud and he had kind of a, a bit of a spluttering even in high school he was marked as ineligible Because of his academic record. And he was said to be ashamed of that. This is according to Jerry Kramer as well. Um, And he carried that sort of shame with him. All the way through his career. And made sure that it wouldn't happen again. And that was his other Jekyll and Hyde. Is that he was nasty on the field. Nice off it. Uh, He had a crappy start to his career. And he had a, a really good career thereafter. Became a Hall of Famer. And Jerry Kramer tells a story where they used to call him the judge. And that's because he spent more time on the bench than he did. Uh, on playing on the field so he said that and again that, that was his Jekyll and Hyde sort of stuff as well that he was nasty unapproachable there's a quote out there from Vince Lombardi that said he was belligerent Um, that you know he had a heart what did he say as as big as all outdoors which is like a real old-timey phrase which is I'm definitely going to use like in the workplace um, and it, that he was a he was real difficult to coach but that's because let's look at his childhood his dad died when he was three in a car accident, which was kind of shocking because we're talking about the 40s here. So it's not as if we're talking about high-powered cars. Um. So, and again, I tried to find out more info about exactly, you know, the circumstances of the accident and how it happened and there's nothing on it. Well, not anything that I can find and if anybody knows that, and do let me know. Uh, and then his mother died when he was 13. So his brother raised him. So this is a guy who, and I've watched the football life and they talk about these guys who were raised in the country uh, and down south and they call these guys country strong. Uh, where they're just working on the farms and stuff and certainly here in Ireland I've met some lads who were country strong and I've met some men who were country strong who were farmers they're out you know, I I knew one guy he'd get out in the morning at about 4 or 5 in the morning to do his farm and stuff he'd go off, do his regular job come back and do farming and fall into the house at about 7 or 8 o'clock and I remember asking that guy I said to him how do you do it? I mean, how do you do your farming stuff and move cows around and all this type of stuff and then go out, do your normal job and then come back basically double job on it and have you know very little life as to what i'd call a very little fun and he said that he didn't see farming as a job he saw it as something enjoyable um and that was a real crux to him so that was an interesting perspective that i sort of carried with me to this day you know that whole balls where if you do a job that you enjoy you'll never work a day in your life uh, whereas this guy sort of saw that and he was a living testament to that which was funny he wasn't just an insta quote so Ray Nitschke was proper rough and that they said that he wasn't sort of shy about getting into fights. So he was adopted um, by and raised by his older brothers who were, I think one of them was 21. And he was excellent as an athlete and he seemed to really pour his time into that. So he was a good football player. He played baseball and he played basketball. And he was offered a three ga- grand baseball contract with the St. Louis Browns or St. Louis Browns. Um instead of going to the University of Illinois, but his brother said to him, don't do that, head off and and go to the University of Illinois where he got a scholarship. And this is another sort of thing from Jerry Kramer. Um, Back then, football wasn't as revered as it is now. So when he went and had a full scholarship to the University of Illinois, he was kind of looked down on for having a football scholarship. Um, And Ray uh, quoted, it was the smartest thing that he ever did. It was going off to the University of Illinois. Um, like all football players, as usual, you want to be the the sexy one. So he decided that he wanted to be a quarterback. And he was. And he had these lofty ambitions of being the quarterback for the Rose Bowl. And in that video, when he's talking to the players of the University of Illinois, I think it's 1991, he talks about wanting to get to the Rose Bowl. And he never got a chance. And he's trying to get them all jazzed up um, to go into that game that they're going to play and try to get to the Rose Bowl. Um, so there was a bit of, uh, I think it was injuries or something like that. Uh, so he became a fullback and a linebacker um, in college. And in an Ohio State game in 1956, if you look at Ray Nitschke, he had false teeth, and he used to take them out for the game. And they called that he had this kind of like strangely aggressive, crooked smile, and that's because he got four of his teeth knocked out in that game, and he played the game. And this is what I'm talking about. This guy was super tough. Um, So he was a Bears fan with growing up in um, Chicago and he wanted to be drafted by the Bears. But he was seen as one of three players of the best Packers draft in history in 1958. So they took uh, Jerry Kramer, uh, Dan Curry, sorry, four players and Jim Taylor along with Ray Nitschke in this draft. And it was seen as, you know, the best draft that the, the Packers ever did. But they sucked that season. They only won one game. And he played under the number 33 and then became number 66 then for the rest of his career. So, I mean, when everyone talks about how legendary uh, Ray Nitschke is, you see these videos of him talking at the Hall of Fame and you see him being nasty. And one of the nice stories that I heard of him, well, depending on whether you're a Packers or Bears fan was, is that... When they they looked at Ray Nitschke's hands, I think it was Mike Holmgren said it. Uh, it was a video. I couldn't find it again when I tried to look for it. Uh, they looked at Ray Nitschke's fingers and they're all bent and smashed up. And they said to him, Ray, what happened to your fingers? And he said, oh, they're all bent off from shoving my hands into Bear's face masks. So it's just that aggressiveness. And again, to comment on his appearance, this guy looked like, like he was Benjamin Button. You know, he was born and he was automatically, you know, 57 years of age. So Nitschke had these sort of famous big glasses but of course he'd take them off for the game so he'd have this squinty look uh he had his teeth knocked out as i said in that ohio uh, state game back when he was in college uh he used to wear this heavy padding on his arm and this guy was just the epitome of tough and he had that sort of crooked smile because his teeth were missing and like that's a couple of the pictures that you see with him his jersey will be blooded uh, there's that famous run where he intercepted the ball and ran it back and you see him kind of holding on to his hamstring I think he pulled his hamstring and he's sort of limping into the end zone this guy didn't miss many games and this guy was a proper iron man you know Brett Favre was kind of a throwback to how tough this guy was so to look into kind of his playing career uh, as I said he dreamt about being a quarterback became a fullback in college but he played in an era where you played offense and defense So he was the quarterback or fullback. And then there was stories out there of him being a safety and a linebacker. And he was sort of touted as the best linebacker in the country um, when he played in college. So Nitschke was excellent in pass coverage. He was an excellent run stopper. Uh, We see him come down with interceptions. He was always there to bat the ball down. He comes out with some fumbles. And he hit really, really hard. And people said that this guy, when you got hit with him, you know, it was like getting steamrolled because he was just absolutely unbelievable. He was the linchpin of a defense that is seen as one of the best Packers defenses ever. It's the one that people keep referring back to every time they talk about how tough the Packers defenses can be. And he played with the Packers from 1958 to 72. And he won five league championships and the first two Super Bowls in 67 and 68. And an article here from the New York Times Bart Starr said that he was so strong that he could throw the ball uh, 100 yards. And he could throw it 80 yards as if it was nothing to him. Um, And also he hit running back Jim Race so hard that he knocked him unconscious for 15 minutes. So that's all according to the New York Times. Lombardi was pretty tough on him. And this is something that I sort of derived from it. And this isn't something that I saw being said uh, now, Jerry Kramer says that the turning point in his career... So, he was kind of the judge and he sat on the bench until 1961. And from 1962 onwards, he was a a real stalwart in the Packers' defense and became the player that he was. Um, I'll talk about his accolades a little bit later. So, they say why that was, was he married a, green, a local Green Bay girl called Jackie. And he married her in 1961. So, where it all comes together, I think, for Ray is... And she's seen as the calming influence on him. But I think it was Vince Lombardi being a bit of a hard head on him. Nitschke says himself, and I'm going to quote, the guy never let up, but he was consistent. He wanted me to not only be a good player, but a good guy. And I needed that. So Ray sort of, like it's obvious, right? So he lost his dad when he was three, his mother when he was 13. He got his dad back to a degree when Vince Lombardi came to Green Bay after his rookie, you know, dismal rookie year. Uh, but Ray still didn't kind of care. Um, and then when he met Jackie, then I think he completed that mother father package. Is that he had Vince there to be the daddy figure, his wife to be the, you know, maternal figure. So th- there's stories out there. And again, I didn't corroborate them myself to say that uh, Jackie couldn't have children. So they adopted three kids. So, you know, he was a, a fantastic father to the three kids. And I think that's when it all came together for Ray. Well, it's obvious because that's what Jerry says as well when his wife came into it. But I think he had everything that he needed then. Uh, there's that famous story. And again, if you don't know Ray Nitschke, you've probably heard the story. So it's a story where they had the. They're on that practice field and they had this big 15 foot iron terror. And the, the as Jerry Kramer says, you know, the wind was whipping up and the terror fell over and it fell over on a player. And. Lombardi comes over and goes, who did hit? And Bart Sarah said, oh, it hit Nitschke. And Lombardi, apparently as if nothing ever happened, turned around and went, all right, around the goalpost, let's go. So it's just lovely that he just went back to practice and Ray Nitschke apparently emerged uh, from underneath the terror because he was so tough uh, with a bit of a grin on his face um, and went back to training himself. So it just sort of shows that Lombardi knew how tough he was. Uh, it was nothing to Ray and a bolt from that terror pierced Ray Nitschke's helmet and you can still see that helmet to this day in the Packers Hall of Fame and the Packers Hall of Fame by the way is a great place to go uh, if you're going to go to Green Bay uh, there's another story um, I can't remember what website it was uh, so forgive me for it but is that they said that? oh we all know Lombardi's famous nutcracker drill actually I think this is from the uh, journal Sentinel uh, right after uh, Reynichke passed away he was a heart attack in 1960 uh, in when he was 61 uh, not in 1961 because uh, he pretty hard to have a good playing career after you die so uh, the nutcracker drill where they get a, a rookie um, and they get Jim Taylor. So the rookie is the blocker and R- Jim Taylor has to try get by him. And it was Nitschke's turn to try stop him. And the, the blocker screened Nitschke and Taylor just ran by him as if it was nothing. So Lombardi came up and said, I was told that you were one of the best linebackers in the NFL. But from watching that, I don't think so. So do it again. And there's the story then that he picked up, Nitschke picked up the rookie by the shoulder pads and flung him in the tailor and nearly killed the two of them. Um, So Lombardi then looked at it, didn't give him a compliment and just said, right, let's move on. So that's the kind of hard head that Lombardi was. Um, So speaking about hitting people, Nitschke was famous for saying that if you don't hit people and almost if you don't enjoy hitting people, that you don't belong on the field. He left it all out there. And that's something that we see in the likes of Mike Daniels. Uh, today so that's why everyone likes Mark Daniels and I love Mike Daniels because he's a hark back to the old school uh, Packers so there's a great story as well um, about Reggie White talking about Ray Nitschke's intensity so Ray Nitschke after he stopped playing he stayed around Green Bay and he had a holiday home in Florida but you'd always sort of see him hanging about the Packers teams and he was unpaid the Packers never paid him to be ambassador he just that's what he loved to do um, and So he was around the team, and he was around the Hall of Famers, and that's what we see is that he goes down to Canton, and it was a Friday lunch, which they've now named the Ray Nitschke lunch, uh, or luncheon, because it sounds more swish. And uh, Reggie White tells a story that when they were going on their Super Bowl run, he said that Ray Nitschke, Willie Davis, and Bart Starr would used to come around, and Nitschke, he said, he was really intense, and he'd come over and smack you in the face and say, "You can't lose this game." And he said, he's like a coach, but after a while you say, Ray, do you have to stop smacking me? Because I love that he comes over to a man um, as big as Reggie White and starts slapping about the place. Because Ray Nitschke says himself, and this is a quote from the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He says, I'm not the biggest guy or the strongest guy either. I have to make up for my lack of size with aggressiveness. I've always learned the best way to play the game is to hit your opponent a little harder than he hits you. It's about self-preservation. So I love that, that, you know, Rain knew he wasn't the biggest guy, but he used to sort of slap people around the place uh, and tell them that, you know, you got to play this game right. So he was deeply appreciative of the game, being an unpaid ambassador for the Packers and the Hall of Fame. And as I said, he uh, used to get down and speak every single year after he was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. um, you know, to tell people how lucky they were. And I saw a few quotes from people to say how they were impacted by that. And he, they said that, you know, they were ready to run through walls after Ray Nitschke would speak to them on that lunch before they were inducted. Now, again, I tried to find out more about this, but I couldn't find anything. The end of his playing career was apparently very grisly. So, you know, you wanted to go out in the blazing glory, uh, but he didn't. So Dan Devine or Dan Devine, depending on how you want to pronounce it, he comes in and benches Ray Nitschke. For a lot of 1971 and 72. For a guy called Jim Carter. And so he played him in the middle. And apparently it was a pretty horrible experience. For both Carter having to replace him. And also Nitschke. Uh, who was an old great. And apparently at the old Milwaukee County Stadium. The fans used to chant. We want Nitschke. At the games when Carter was struggling. So it was it was bad for the both of them. Uh, according to this article. I think this is the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel as well is that he should have played more, but he didn't. But he never came out and publicly gave out and dogged Dan Devine Devine after that, which was good. Accolades, uh, he was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame from 1978 and he was selected as the the only linebacker, in fact, in the 50th and 75th anniversary All-Star teams. Uh, He was named an All-Pro in 64, 65 and 66. And he got either first or second team All NFL honors seven times in an eight year stretch from '62 to '69. So that was really his heyday. Um, so we see him be named MVP in the title game against the Giants. There's stuff here where he sucks it to Y.A. Tittle, um, in that game against the Giants in Yankee Stadium in 1962, becoming the MVP. And he comes down, I think, with two. I think it was something like two interceptions and a fumble. And I think he bats a pass, and uh, that gets intercepted as well. So, as I said, all-time linebacker in the NFL. um, And he was uh, given a a few more kind of accolades in Green Bay with the Nitschke Field, which is one of two outdoor facilities. uh, And they sort of revamped that and put bleachers in. And also there's the Nitschke Memorial Bridge uh, that goes across the Fox River on Main Street. And that took over from the uh, Main Street Bridge, which was built back in the 20s. So he died on March 8 1998, and he was in Florida, and he was driving his daughter, Amy, and his granddaughter, I believe, and they stopped at a convenience store, and he suffered a heart attack and died. And he, his adopted kids, uh, John and Richard, and his granddaughter uh, at the time survived them, and his wife, Jackie, had died two years prior. So... Like the, his look, his number was retired in Green Bay. The only other player to have their number retired before him at that stage from that era was Bart Starr. And the real legacy for Ray is the fact that the number sixty six is still synonymous with him. NFL wide, I would say. Um, you know, there's still images of Ray everywhere. His merchandise always goes for a high price because people know how important he was. Um anytime anybody talks about toughness, grit. And, uh, you know, a high standard of defensive play, they always talk about Ray Nitschke. And even myself, knowing, not as much as I do now from doing the research for this podcast, uh, but from knowing what I did about him, when we played our flag game, I got uh, our t-shirt supplier at the time because we were getting like sort of names of players printed up. I got a Nitschke jersey uh, or sort of a little t-shirt done because I knew how important of a player he was. And according to a Lombardi Avenue article, and one that was further printed then on Fox, they talked about what other quotes had said from on. So I kind of gleaned this from there. So George Allen said, uh, Nitschke was one of those special players who did things others didn't do. When I was with the Bears, and we named their defense the 47 Nitschke, because it was copied from what uh, the way Ray used to play certain situations. So naming uh, defensive play after a player is a pretty high compliment in my book. Uh, bear Centre, Mike Pyle. Uh, I can say playing against Ray Nitschke shortened my career dramatically. I great respect for Nitschke. I thought he was one of the greatest linebackers um, to play the game. Raymond hit awfully hard. And this is what the quote I was talking about at the top of this piece. But he said he wasn't a dirty player. So this is a guy who got clobbered by him time and time again, but said that he wasn't a dirty player. Mike Ditka said, The toughest guy I ever played against was Ray Nitschke. He was a physical tough guy and was a great football player. Uh, Dave Robinson said, pound for pound, there's never been a linebacker that's come close to Ray Nitschke. So, you know, his peers speak highly of him. All of those inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame said that, you know, one of the highlights of them actually being inducted was his speech uh, the night before they got inducted, which is something special. And even young people today know who Ray Nitschke was, one of the absolute all-time greats. So that's Ray Nitschke in a nutshell. Hopefully I gave you some knowledge on Ray uh, if you didn't know all about him or you just enjoyed sort of recapping about him. And hopefully this podcast was an awful lot better than me rehashing some old balls about, you know, some of the off-season crappy stories of doing 500 mock drafts. So we have a special podcast coming up uh, next Sunday, Monday, and that's going to be with Gabriel Valdez. So, uh, she's the VP of fan engagement with the Packers. She came to her London meetup and she's instrumental in an awful lot of the stuff that you see going on in Green Bay. Certainly from a fan perspective, so air experience. And I'm looking forward to picking her brain about that. Also picking her brain about how, uh, you know, she got to where she was. She I know she was previously with the Ravens and how she she got the, the role in Green Bay and all of the projects that she has going on. Her reach in Green Bay and with the Packers goes you know, further than just fan engagement. You'll see her on game day with the headset on, as busy as can be. So I'm really looking forward to catching up with Gabrielle. And she always gives us a warm welcome uh, for all of the fans that, you know, when we go over. So uh, outside of that, 1919 shop is coming really, really soon. The stuff should be over the Atlantic Ocean uh, any day now. And they'll be landing in the shop. So an awful lot of people got the pre-order. And we've also got some stock that we're going to throw in the shop. And our aim of the game is is to give you Packers merch for way cheaper than you can get anywhere else because that's what we're all about at UK Packers because we're a fan group, not a business. And we like to give Packer fans uh, a hub to go to and the absolute uh, best experience on game day and everything outside of game day that we can. But listen, I've been at the NFL on Twitter. Give me a follow. Follow the group at UK Packers. Um, and as usual, follow all of the group accounts on Instagram, at UK Packers, Facebook, and get into that closed group on Facebook because there's proper quality banter that goes there. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes if you haven't already. If you like the podcast, be sure to give us a review. And I'll speak to you next Sunday.